Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. To really understand the Bible, you might think that it takes great intellect or years of training and biblical education. Well, surely these may be helpful, but according to the Bible itself, what is most needed is what the Apostle Paul prayed for in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the full knowledge of Him. What we need most is our spirit, and our spirit becoming a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need such a spirit to see what is revealed in the two Old Testament books of 1 and 2 Samuel. Samuel begins with the story of a godly woman praying desperately to Jehovah that he would give her a son. And in this story, we begin to see again how God's economy is the central focus of the entire Bible. Francis Ball has joined us as we come to our second program in this New Life Study, and really a program today, Francis, where I think we'll see uh, 1 Samuel from a kind of bird's-eye view and the story of some of the significant characters. And there's more here in this book than just the story of Samuel, isn't there? There's a lot in these two books of Samuel, and it's amazing how these Old Testament books can be seen from a New Testament point of view, because it is something of the Spirit. This matter of history in the Old Testament is not just for our inquiring mind, right. but for nourishing our spirit. Samuel's one of those books, Francis, that becomes the uh, subject matter for many good Sunday school Bible story classes. There are great stories in this book because there are great figures and great characters. And as I think our listeners have come to appreciate in the life study of the Bible, we're not just looking at those stories on the surface and uh, maybe some history related to them. We're really going deeper than that to look at the significance that these stories convey in terms of how they portray God's economy. And Today's program really will have a kind of an overview and touch some of the central characters or figures. Why don't you introduce some of these names that maybe people are familiar with from their old Sunday school classes, but uh, I think we'll see them in a different light in this life study. I can remember hearing about some of these when I was a young boy, but my memory of what they represented, I don't have any recollection of what I heard then and from that standpoint. Of course, you have uh, this Eli, who was the high priest at that time. And his priesthood was really a failure because it was waning and all the people were affected by that because the priest is one who should be carrying out God's speaking right. and also taking care of God's administration of what his goal is. And then you have Samuel, of course, and this is a very positive turn from Eli to Samuel, but it's interesting how all this came about. Mm-hmm. And then following Samuel, you have King Saul. Saul was a man of the flesh. The kingship under Saul was really 
corrupted. Mm -hmm. But he was followed by David, a very godly man. And through David becoming the king, it was lifted up to another level. So we see more in David concerning Christ than we do concerning the enemy in Saul. See uh, both sides here. There's good figures or positive figures and negative ones. As you mentioned, Eli was a failure. We know we should remember uh, how evilly Saul's kingship was uh, turned out to be for Israel. But in both cases, there was a reaction by God to raise up something very positive, which we see in Samuel and of course, King David, as you pointed out. So that's how this book really is sort of broken down, the view of these main characters, which really convey the eternal struggle that is going on, not just a struggle between good and evil, but between God's economy and its accomplishment and the enemy's uh, work to frustrate yeah. that. The book has a great beginning, the story of Hannah. We could almost say is the fifth uh, main character in this book, Right, this godly woman who was barren, no children, and she was desperate for Jehovah to give her a son. And eventually she uh, prays so desperately that she promises Jehovah, if he will hear her prayers, that she will present this son back to him immediately, that he would serve Jehovah all his days. And of course, uh, Hannah was Samuel's mother, and the Lord uh, looks kindly on this woman in her prayer and really answers it in a marvelous way. Let's pick up a verse or two near the end of chapter 1 that I think is a good background or a good beginning point for our life study today. In chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, For this boy I prayed, Hannah says, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. Marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. Let's join Witness Lee. We'll pick up this portion of his fellowship. Now... We come to two Samuels. In these two books, the main characters are four persons. Eli, Samuel, then Saul, then David. Open this book. A picture is portrayed of a person who had a failure. Failure in what? In the people's degradation. Eli was a priest. He got a failure. The priesthood ordained by God was to do two things. All the time to speak the word of God. And also, meantime, always to carry out God's administration. God's governmental dealing with his people. But the priesthood up to Eli's time became stale. So Samuel was raised up to replace the winning and stale priesthood. Samuel does not have a filial, rather he has a ministry. His ministry in the Nazareth vow ended the judgeship and brought in God speaking oracle and brought in kingship for God's administration. Then we come to a servant by the name Saul, not Paul. Saul's fresh life insulted the kingship. He put shame upon God's kingship in the divine government. 
lastly we came to David. Saul's life is fleshly. David's life is godly. Fleshly means the fallen man. Godly means the man who is with God. Saul's fresh life caused him to lose the kingship, but David's God life secured the kingship in God's economy. Hallelujah. Amen. But, a big but, his indulgence in lust contaminated the kingship of God's holiness. Now you can see these poor persons, their history are just an extract of the two sons. Francis, you can uh, pick up any of these four characters that you would like to uh, develop a little bit. I was struck by uh, one statement particularly. He was talking about how Eli had had a failure. So the Lord raises up Samuel, this child that uh, was the fruit of Hannah's prayer, and she presents him to Jehovah. He becomes uh, really the replacement of Eli. But rather than him saying, and Samuel had a success, he didn't say that. He said, Eli had a failure. Samuel had a ministry. That struck something in me. I noticed that also. And the thing I think is so important here is the Lord used a woman's prayer as a means for raising up a replacement of a waning priesthood. Yeah. And it's just marvelous to see how God operated here to restore the process of carrying out his economy. If we realize in all of these books of the Old Testament, the main governing principle is God's economy. Right. So when we see that, we realize that what God is doing here, he's caring for his economy. And Eli was really a hindrance to God's economy and a damage to God's people. So he would not permit him to go on, and he raised up a little boy to replace and recover the priesthood right. and even bring an end to the judgeship. Mm-hmm. So Samuel is a key character throughout this first part of the book of Samuel. Of course, at the end of or into Second Samuel, we see the children of Israel become envious of their neighbors. Their neighbors have kings, and of course, they just have Samuel now, as you said, who's replaced the judges even and, and is a priest who really is bringing them to God and bringing God to them. But they think this isn't quite good enough, so they pray or they ask God or moan, and eventually he answers their prayer and gives them this King Saul. Uh, but that was a big downturn as well oh until another one was raised up to restore the kingship. But even with David, uh, even though he was uh, certainly a positive figure and one that, you know, is a key figure in the whole divine revelation, there was an element there that had a negative impact on God's testimony, wasn't there? Yes, there was. And at the time this life study was given in person, Brother Lee was impressed with this name David, and he asked all the ones who were named David to stand up. And I think (laughs) there were quite a large number of young men that stood up, and he began to ask them, how come they were named David? But I think uh, it's marvelous to see that God's way of raising up a David is to replace a fleshy kingship. David was a godly man, and if God could raise up more godly men, God's economy will be accomplished. Let's pick up a verse uh, that just emphasizes that point. I'm now in chapter 13 of 1 Samuel. Again, we're just getting kind of an overview, bird's eye view today. Jehovah has sought a man according to his heart Mm -hmm. for himself. And of course, in David, he found such a one. 
and Jehovah has appointed him ruler over his people. For you have not kept that which Jehovah commanded you. This was uh, Samuel's word, I believe, to Saul at this Mm -hmm. time, telling him Jehovah has found another one, one who is according to his heart. And that's uh, how we all should desire to have our hearts be found before Jehovah. And, of course, that stirred up something in Saul's evil heart to try his best to get rid of David before he replaced him. (laughs) All right, let's join Witness Lee for this very good fellowship, more centered on David now. David was a man according to the heart of God. What is the heart of God? Just to accomplish an economy. And David was a person according to this heart of God. Even though he was very young, he was a man according to God's heart. He was not a good man. Neither was he a bad man. He was a God man. God just wanted us to be a God man. He created us according to his image. Then he wanted us to take his life, signified by the tree of life. Then we got fallen. He came to become a man, to die for us. He resurrected to impart God's life and nature into us. So now he wants us to be a God-man. Don't forget the New Testament teachings, especially those in the epistles of Paul. Always say, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. To be humble, in Christ. To uh, endure, in Christ. That means not in yourself. In yourself, you cannot be humble. If you can, your humility will not be counted on by God. You should be in Christ. What God wants us to be is a Christ man. This is the word Christian means. Christian means a man of Christ. Christ man. So don't take the Bible as a book teaching you to be a good man. Teaching you further to be a spiritual man. No, the Bible is unveiling to us what God wants. Is a God-man, a man of Christ. Francis, many people, and, and we ourselves often, take the Bible as a, somewhat as a book of instruction, teaching us how to be good, how to be this or that. Uh, We may go even deeper and see it as a book that will help us to become more spiritual. Mm -hmm. But if we really have this spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prayed for, we will see that even to be spiritual is not the real goal of God's Word, is it? That's right. And I think this is so important because of the trend that Christian teaching has gone to try to encourage people to improve their way of living, improve their attitude, to do good to people, to uh, take care of the poor. These are all very good things, and they should be a product of our living in Christ. But that's not the goal. The goal is for God to have God-men on the earth, those who are filled with Christ, to be Christ-men. And that's the reason, as he pointed out, that uh, so many of the points in the New Testament, especially Paul's epistles, 
speak so much about in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. If we could do things in Christ, even Paul told the Corinthians, if I have forgiven anyone, I have forgiven them in Christ. Wow. It's not a matter of what we can do to try to be a forgiver, but what Christ can do in us. We use this phrase, we hear Witness Lee uh, frequently use this phrase, that what God is after is not a good man, God is after a God man. Right. And here, I liked how he developed that thought a little bit. He also used as a synonym a Christ man, which yeah. is really what it is to be a Christian. That's a man of Christ. Right. That means our constitution, our source, our whole uh, sphere of operation cannot be centered on good and evil and behavior. It has to be centered on Christ himself. Without this, we miss the mark of God's economy and God's purpose in man. He wants to dispense himself into us so that we are God-men living a godly life that is not our improved life, but it's really the divine life worked out in our being. Francis, let's come back now to uh, how we began the story today, looking at this woman, Hannah, who had been deprived of having children. And uh, the Lord uses the circumstances we'll see in this section to create a desperation in her. And her prayer, the indication is, or the implication is, her prayer changes this time. No doubt she's been praying for years, but something about her prayer changes, as we see in this verse 11 in chapter 1. And she made a vow and said, O Jehovah of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your female servant and remember me and not forget your female servant, but give to your female servant a male child, then I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life, and no razor will come upon his head. And this mention of no razor coming upon his head was a clear reference in Hannah's part back to the Nazarite vow that we saw in Numbers, indicating that she was presenting him under that principle. And this matter of a vow related to our service is the subject of our final section today. And it's very, very challenging and inspiring. Here's Witness Lee. The fulfillment of God's economy needs man's cooperation. You ask me, what should we do? We should do nothing, just cooperate with God. To cooperate means to be bound one with God. Many of you should have read Samuel chapter 1, right? Samuel's mother, Hannah. She was in a situation so he had no way to go on. He was forced to pray, Lord, you must give me a son. Actually, it was God who initiated the whole scene. Hannah was chosen by God because she was a person willing to cooperate with God. She prayed. Then God answered her prayer, Right away, she offered the boy according to her vow. Today, God just expects to have these kind of persons. I recall Hudson Taylor's history. You know, Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission. China Inland Mission was the highest mission, the most special mission and most used the mission by God in China. His biography helped a lot of people. I got the help. The story was this. 
One day he was sitting on the seashore. He was sitting there with God. He was looking through the ocean toward Chan. He said, Oh, I like to give my life and everything for this great conservative people. That was his uh, kind of a vow. God took that heart. Right away, he formed China Inland Mission. I hope that many of you young people would uh, do something like this. I cannot compare with Hudson Taylor, but with me, it was the same. I was endeavoring to get my education. In the last year of my teenage, God called me. I got saved. Right away, I said, God, everything is gone from me. I only want you. I like to serve you, to bring the Bible to travel the villages. I didn't know what I was doing, but that was a kind of a vow. And here I am. Look at today's word. There's the need of some to make a vow. Sometimes your environment, your circumstances, does work this way to bring you into a situation. You have to say, I'm yours. I just lend myself to you. God will take your heart and accomplish something to fulfill what you would vow to him. Francis, I don't know how many young people have been touched deeply, stirred by the biography of Hudson Taylor and many others. I read C.T. Studd when I was quite young, a new believer, similar kind of story. But this is not something that we should just look back on and with some sort of fond, uh, sentimental appreciation. These kinds of words really need to strike a fire in the hearts of many young people even today, don't they? That's true. And I recall I was just out of the Navy about 1946, mm-hmm. and I read Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Yeah. And that alerted something in me. Just got up one morning, and I was reading part of that book that particular morning. And it stirred in me a real desire to follow the Lord wherever he would take me. And that was the beginning of my turning to what I now know is the Lord's recovery. The Hudson Taylor's life was one where he just realized that it's not what we can do, but it's what God can do with us if we cooperate or if we give ourselves to him. This kind of vow, I hope that many of our listeners today would just hear this kind of thing and realize that a vow to uh, give everything to the Lord and just depend on him, he will certainly take that and use it for his own glory. Marvelous way to end today to underscore this point that he began this uh, last portion with, and that is that God is not so much interested in what we promise to do for him. He's interested in our cooperation with him. And, you know, if you read Hudson Taylor's story, he was, in a sense, not a great man. He had a lot of difficulties, many problems. So it wasn't that God had raised up this mighty one. But in Hudson Taylor, like in David, like in so many others, he found a willing heart, a heart that was willing to cooperate with him. And that made the difference for Hudson Taylor, and the Lord was able to use him so much. This is a real pattern for us, isn't it? I think it's the thing that's made the difference in Witness Lee also. Absolutely. And the benefit that he has been to millions of people over this whole earth. 
not by some dynamo, but by the faithful cooperating with God's economy. Francis, a good point to end on today. I enjoyed this uh, second life study very much. And Samuel, I'm really looking forward to this uh, book. Well, both of these uh, two Old Testament books, First and Second Samuel, these are really key, aren't they, to help us uh, see and appreciate God's economy in a very, very profound and deep way. It's really refreshing and challenging. Okay, I think uh, a good time to recommend to you that you contact us about getting the printed life study for both First and Second Samuel. If you'd like to call us toll-free, we'll tell you how you can receive that. Our number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And if you get the book right away, then you'll be able to uh, follow along with us as we go on day by day and touch all of these marvelous messages that really highlight Christ as life from the pages of the Old Testament books of First and Second Samuel. Amen. For Francis Paul, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages to find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.